0: The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your- It is Saturday, March 21st, 2020. Happy birthday, Party. And you are tuned in to the Hitting Remarks, pro wrestling podcast powered by the Roar Network at thecorillaposition.com. <laughs> Presented by Homin Media. Association with Last Word on pro wrestling.com and no unleashed at ndpw.com. On this week's show, we're talking empty mania, Chris Benoit, in the week that was in the world of professional wrestling. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans. For the fans bring you all the news that is news from across professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM podcast network still online. Hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the quarantine. He's the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me. It's
1: me. Yes, the quarantine are the beat of the beat. Rick Vickery. Hey, man. Happy birthday to Mrs. Jargo. The Carly. I, I, I got to ask you something here, Jargo. You know, if, if you got the the quarantine situation, the, the locked in, they're expecting this baby boom with a little birthday loving on the way. I'm sure, or, or should we be uh, ex- expecting? You guys expecting here in a couple months?
0: If we 2021. Absolutely not. not happening. Too old for that shit. Let me tell you. Uh, but yes, it, it is uh, the Mrs. birthday, and uh, so this morning I got up Huckleberry, and, and like we typically do on every Saturday... I went to the grocery store. I just left Carly at home. That was her birthday present. I also got her a very nice uh, Mandalorian coloring book. She's very, very excited about that. Um, so I went to the store all by myself today. I went out and I braved everything that was, people been telling me how crazy it's been for a week because I only go to the grocery store once a week and uh, yeah, I, I don't get it, man. I went to the store and everything was fine.
1: Well, hold on did you have your bird box mask
0: on to no. make sure that the evil Corona didn't get you when you the
1: unexpected jargo is not prepared
0: for this thing well no because it, it's been well documented the mask only helps. If you already have the coronavirus, if you're walking around with a mask on and you don't have the coronavirus, then you're just an idiot. I mean, it, it would have been the same if I would have went to the store today wearing my, my Rey Mysterio mask or, you know, my Marty Skrull mask. I mean, that's the one that would have really been appropriate, right? Put on the bird head mask, the plague mask. I could go walking around in that.
1: Uh, absolutely. It, you know, it's, it, one of these other things here is you said you go to the store. And it's business as usual. I know that there was, you were a little upset coming out of there. You had to get a different kind of pork chop.
0: I was pissed, man. I was pissed. There, There is a real danger going on out there. They were out of butterfly chops. I had to just get the regular boneless thin cut chops, Rick. I mean, this is a pandemic. We need to shut the fucking world down because I need my butterfly chops.
1: Hot times, hot times, baby.
0: But yeah, it, you know, just
1: this just adds to the panic demic that we are facing as a society right now. You, you see all through across social media, you see it on the television. You're you're in print. You're hearing about it wherever it might be coming from, whatever the platform is. All, all these goods, we're we're going to be facing a severe shortage. You're, you're going to be absolutely forced to stay within the confines of your residency. You have to buy up, buy up, buy up. Which is absolutely bullshit. We're not facing any sort of shortages here. The issue is when we did see, yes, those pictures that were making the rounds of the empty shelves. Yeah, that was brought on by mass hysteria. And which
0: adds the, to the mass hysteria. Right. And simply the you know, the
1: fact that this pretty much unraveled, you know, this thing took a life of its own just out of nowhere. I mean, this the snowball picked up and, and the, the avalanche was here in no time. The stores themselves, they weren't properly prepared. They did not have, you know, they didn't have the time to to bring in the proper necessities and get their par levels up to where they should be, For you know, as you see, like during a holiday season or something like that. Just hit them out of nowhere. So now, yes, they're going to be restocking. They're going to be refilling and they're going to be fine. Another thing that I really believe you see now in this, that as people are losing employment, especially in your service industry positions, hospitality, we've seen that now as going to like spas and gyms and recreational centers, whatever it might be, those individuals losing their jobs. But you're seeing this, this rise in the need for hiring inside of, you know, like grocery stores, retail chains like that. I'm almost wondering if they are in a sense are panicking a bit too much. As this thing begins to level out, you're going to not you're not going to have that level of production output going forward.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting, man. And, you know, the biggest thing that I'm noticing is there is a lot of information out there. There is a lot of disinformation out there and there's a lot of information that's out there that nobody's talking about. Um, the, the biggest one that I have learned in the last couple of days, Huckleberry, did you know that there's actually two strains of this thing?
1: There's an L strain
0: and the S strain. And you know, the L strain is the one that is very, very lethal. That's easy to remember because it's the L strain and then there's the S strain. And you know, if I think back to about, you know, oh, mid January or so, You remember when I was sick as fuck there for about two weeks and you were sick as fuck for about two weeks and everybody was sick as fuck for about two weeks and you would go to the doctor and you'd be like, doc, I don't know what's wrong with me. It sure seems like I've got the flu and they would run the test and they would say, nope, you don't have the flu. Guess you're just going to have to wait this thing out for a couple of weeks and see what happens. Guess what you had? You had the S strain of the fucking coronavirus and guess what else that means? Once you have the S strain, you are immune to the L strain. That's the reality of the situation. There is a lot of panic going on, and there's nobody talking about the L strain and the S strain. But guess what? That mysterious sickness that went around in December and January, and everybody that you and your brother know was sick? Guess what you had? You had the fucking coronavirus.
1: You know what I absolutely is mind-blowing to me is you talk to some individuals and it, it, they they seem to believe or they've just been oblivious to the world around them you know, in their mind this thing has been, has just been dropped on us like this thing has just been introduced to the world a month ago six weeks ago now if you really would have been paying attention to the news that matters and not with these mouth breathers these the agenda driven, media and politicians, the garbage that they are shovel feeding you, you go beyond that. You dig a little deeper. You you truly go to the sources, the true professionals on these issues where you find the outlets that are reporting what those true professionals, those true resources are that are being shared to the public. This thing goes way back. You know, it, this has been going on for a while. This is why we're hearing now that China and Japan you know, they're ready to begin, you know, they're opening society for business again. Yep. And we live inside these little bubbles here and you see this, uh, you know, it's, you know, now, especially across social media and believe me, I'll I'll be one of the first to argue. Yes. Social media can be such a tremendous thing. Absolutely love it. It it keeps us in contact. It's opening up, you know, new doors to, uh, to an entire world that for generations, centuries have been closed off to, but on the other side of that too, you know, it's, those people that are still stuck inside of their, their little pockets, those little bubbles wherever they are, they, they believe whatever is there is what's happening around the world. Yep. And they're over-exaggerating things instead of stepping back and looking at that big picture. And one of the things we always talk about here on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast is to take that step back and make that long, slow 360 walk to look at every perspective, every angle. And then, and only then at that point, you sit back and and draw your own conclusions on a situation or do you really absorb everything that you've been able to take in instead of just really focusing and it really just driving yourself crazy with just a hand handful of a point of views
0: yep the information is out there do your own research don't trust anybody straight stone cold steve austin kind of stuff we'll talk about stone cold a little bit later on in the show too
1: Another thing on this, too, that's been driving me absolutely crazy. You know, we're, we're talking about the shutdowns and social distancing. And it, yeah, it, it, come, it comes down to common sense, people. Mm-hmm. Very common sense. At, at the least, learn the basics about the coronavirus and how you can prevent the spread of it or, you know, cleansing the areas that you're in or self-protection. Those are common sense items that you should be practicing on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and you're going to be okay. But outside of this, you know, talking about the hysteria and pushing this panic, hysteria, and pushing this panic, what's up with these press conferences? I don't know. I, oh, man. my God, round and round for every level national, state, local. They feel the need to run these things out there. God, it feels like, I mean, almost every half hour, I feel like I'm getting it from somebody, and they're running in quicksand here. It's the same information, over and over,
0: repetitiveness. You're telling me, man. I mean, literally, I see the CBS National News on a six-hour loop five days a week. I mean – You're telling me, yeah, it's over and over. They're just beating you over the head with this thing. And I I mean, I think this thing is absolutely terrifying. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that there's anything scarier than a bunch of politicians in the media that have basically tricked the American public into martial law and made us think that it's for our own fucking good, because that's really what's going on here. In the course of a week, they have shut down basically the entire country. And we're just going along with it. That I find absolutely terrifying.
1: Absolutely. 100%. But you know what? They've shut down most of the country. Goddamn, pal. There's one guy fighting.
0: You bet. You bet. Vince McMahon. Um, And and we will talk about Vince. And we're going to talk about Empty Mania. And we're going to talk about what's going on in Japan. What they did over the course of this week. But Rick, I think this is the biggest story inside of the world of professional wrestling this week, and nobody's talking about it yet. WrestleMania is going to air for three weeks on ESPN. ESPN today, in collaboration with WWE, announced that it's airing encore presentations of historic WrestleMania events over the next three Sundays on ESPN and streaming via the ESPN app. The special content initiative begins this Sunday, March 22nd, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with the airing of WrestleMania. WrestleMania 30 is going to be on March 22nd, 7 p.m. Um, then we're going to have WrestleMania 32 next week on the 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then basically your pre-show, you are going to get WrestleMania 35 airing Sunday, April 5th, at 3 p.m p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is going to be a shortened version of all these shows that'll bring you right up to the start of WrestleMania 36 on Sunday. Rick, this is awesome. And we can talk about how great it is to see ESPN embracing professional wrestling and putting out these historic WrestleManias to get everybody hyped up for WrestleMania to rally around and let's all enjoy empty mania. There's something bigger going on here. We heard that they were talking about selling the WWE Network and one of those players was the ESPN Plus app, very, very much like the UFC did and everything was going to go back to a pay-per-view model. Well, obviously the coronavirus fucked all that up, but when it happens and when it goes to ESPN Plus, this right here is the genesis of that.
1: Uh, absolutely, what you know. This is, as you said, Jarko. This on the surface, the news breaking there. Uh, to me, and, and I, I loved how they put it out there. We're starting with, you know, WrestleMania thirty, the the yes movement, Daniel Bryan's shining moment on the grandest stage of them all, and just you know that the graphics that they used there, the video package to really pitch that thing, and and you had you know what looked like the masses rallying behind Daniel Bryan. And you cut right there with the king. I, you know this is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. Perfect pitch here to try to get people hooked because we're looking for that escape across the board. People are looking for something so they could step away. As we were talking about those press conferences and and the news that is just constantly being, you know, shoved down our throats right now. We're looking for those escapes, and wrestling has been has stepped up to the forefront uh, in so many ways to you know to give us that bridge. And now with WWE, you know, as much as as we get all of them about their creative product, and believe me, I, I've got a lot on this show that you know that it's just frustrating me to no end with WWE Creative in that direction. But when it comes to business operations, you, you have to applaud a lot of what they do. You know, so top-notch. They are very aggressive. And this is a time. You know, I've regularly been saying this, you know, those that those that, that thrive right now that strive to thrive are going to survive. And that is what WWE is doing. Of course here, this runs a little bit deeper with this partnership with ESPN. This isn't something that just came about overnight. There's deeper rooted issues. Uh, there was all the talk and rumor in Indiano about, you know, ESPN plus acquiring the, the high ticket items from the WWE network. That being returning to the pay-per-view, the traditional pay-per-view system, if you will. Uh, as you said, that might've been squashed. That just might've been put in the can for a little bit.
0: Well, cause we Is were this, hearing that was supposed to happen in the first quarter. Well, I, I know. And, I mean, WrestleMania I, I was think, the first show they were talking about that happening with. And without that deal that we
1: know to the best of our knowledge right now, without that thing officially being done, we don't know. How, you know, there was a handshake. We don't know how, hopefully not a handshake or, you know, a, uh, an air fist bump from six feet away that that this thing is going to be signed, sealed, and delivered at some point. This is going to be very telling for ESPN, the 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 success. It's going to be a great measuring stick, the success that they can have with WWE on their on their airs,
0: airwaves. Here's a quote from Burke Magnus. He's the executive vice president of programming at ESPN. This unique opportunity is a byproduct of the terrific working relationship we've enjoyed with the WWE over the years and the unprecedented circumstances that we all find ourselves in. WrestleMania is one of the most popular global events in sports and entertainment, and the spectacular content it provides will be a treat for fans. Stephanie McMahon then chimed in. She says it is a privilege for us to deliver historic WrestleMania content to our world-class partners at ESPN and provide more premium programming to our fans, putting smiles on their faces during this particularly trying time. Uh, We look forward to celebrating WrestleMania history with ESPN as we head into our two-night pop culture extravaganza. On April fourth and fifth. I mean, spoken like a true fucking McMahon, right? Um, So both of these guys putting it over Stephanie and uh, Burke Magnus. I mean, what a freaking name! Like that—that's got to be a kayfabe name, right? Burke Magnus. There's no way. Like I know, right
1: here, right here locally, uh, future great, one of the uh, the marquee stars for future great wrestling, Mark Magnus.
0: Yeah, I mean, Nick Aldis. What?
1: There you go, man. Mark Magnus, oh, he's, uh, he's a tremendous performer, man. He's got a great gimmick as well. He absolutely hates streamers. <laughs> Cannot stand them. So you damn as hell, you better not throw one at the ring.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. So, Rick, is... It, am, am i on to something here is this the future of the wwe network are, are you fully sold now that this thing's going to espn plus should all of us run out and buy wwe stock before they sell off the network to espn you
1: know i i've still got mine i'm sitting on it i still have a little bit of ways to go to where i'm at where i bought in uh it, it would have to take about a a little over fifty percent for me to get where I was at.
0: Yeah, because I, th- so I, I I think it closed at like thirty-three dollars or something like that on Friday. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so I'm still sitting fine. I, I think uh I heard Bello say last week that he had sold his off. He's out of the game. He's gonna wait. He might he said he's gonna watch it move here for a little bit. He might get back into the WWE game, but I'm I'm still sitting okay. I'm gonna ride out the storm with him. I guess the, you know, the bigger question is so many, you know, fans and those that are inside this bubble started, you know, initially when these reports came out, you know, they begin freaking out. Oh, this is the death of the network. No way this is worth 99. That's fair. That second, the latter part of the statement there. But it doesn't necessarily mean the death of the network. And we don't know exactly what the plan is, how the transition is going to happen from network to ESPN+. Plus. Or, you know, what kind of figure they are talking about. This could be something completely different than the deal that we've seen with UFC. Because even the deal with UFC, it's not the same as you see with the other sports that are involved with ESPN+. Plus.
0: I have no idea. I've never watched anything on ESPN+. Plus. I haven't
1: really gotten into it. As soon as the WWE, the, you know, the speculation came up, I start looking into some of the other, you know, the features that, that they offer up. What else is on the menu that they have there? And they, and it is, it's a very diverse selection and those deals are equally as, you know, different apart from one another as, as the, the different sports that they offer up.
0: I, I one other thing that I do find interesting that leads me to think that this deal is going to happen Monday on raw, they kept saying WrestleMania live on the WWE network and pay per view. When's the last time they they said and pay-per-view? It was just the WWE Network. It's like they're just starting to say it again now, even if it's not going to be available on pay-per-view, just so you get used to hearing it again, that it's going to be available on pay-per-view, and then eventually WWE Network will go away and it will just be available on pay-per-view. Like, this is already the beginning of the planting of seeds for this transition.
1: Absolutely. And you know that? they even got away there for a while where they would even, they would stop referring to them as pay-per-views mm-hmm. and then you slowly heard that kind of coming network back in
0: exclusives.
1: Yes. You know, elimination chamber only on WWE network
0: mm-hmm.
1: or, you know, where it used to be, okay, you know, next month's pay-per-view, you know, or it was next month at money in the bank.
0: Yeah.
1: And, but now they slowly started, you know, with probably within the last, I don't know, maybe not the quite a year, but let's say nine months, that they would, you know, they would suddenly start dropping those in, you know, the next pay-per-view, so-and-so. And now you're seeing it become a little bit more that there's, they're just, they're suddenly working that back into your mindset. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, a little bit of that name dropping. That's a tremendous, you know, pickup that you had there, Jarko. It's one of those things that it's, that most people, it's just, they filter it through. It's in the cycle, but they don't realize it. Yep. So they, they are moving in that direction. Uh, And you got to believe, you know, coming out of the wake of this crisis and all of this, when you're looking, especially at this stock number and these other hits, you know, who knows what kind of financial hit they're going to take here from this WrestleMania. Absolutely no way in hell is, is that going to, you know, be a positive reflection towards that stock figure. And that's across the board. You're not going to see anything positive from the stock market here in a little while. But you are going to have some of these companies that are looking for something that is going to bolster that, that's going to give them that boost. You come out of the back end of this thing with a major announcement now that, you know, on top of your incredible renegotiation with NBC, this blockbuster groundbreaking for wrestling deal that you made with Fox and now. And now, essentially, you're you're not just getting into bed here with ESPN, but, you know, the Disney family. Yeah. I mean, that's a, th- those are tremendous strides for the corporate side of WWE.
0: Well, and the other thing is they are going to be one of the very, very few companies that come the next quarterly conference call are going to be able to say that their revenue is up 85%. Absolutely. There's not going to you know, be too many companies that can say that. And it has nothing to do with anything that's going on. It's it's strictly the TV revenue.
1: Absolutely. You know, and that's where they have based this model. That's where, that's what they're going in. They're looking for these, you, you go for your, your television revenue, which again reverts back to, you know, this conversation that we regularly have and everybody kind of wants to, no matter what side of the fence you're on, but it's the bottom line is your advertising and your ratings. Uh, It's coming from that TV revenue and these international bot shows. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. All right. So let's talk about uh, the road to WrestleMania uh, because Rick, I'm hearing that they are going to be taping both raw and SmackDown to ensure the build-up to WrestleMania 36 goes ahead and that way they don't have to be moving people around the country. Everybody can basically just go home and, and stay there or more than likely have your families just kind of relocate to Orlando for the better part of a month. Um, what do you think of this approach? Are, are, are you going to give them any flack for taping Raw and SmackDown going into WrestleMania?
1: Absolutely not. I think, you know, especially under these circumstances, they should be able to to protect, you know, what is being shot. You know, they, they should be able to protect us from the sheets, so it doesn't really take away from the aura of WrestleMania in any of the suspense that's heading into this thing. Hell, if need be, shoot multiple angles that we don't know what's going to make it to television. What you know, you've seen that how many times in television where you get to a series finale and they shoot multiple endings to close it out. So that in case if somebody would slip up somebody or someone is talking to the sheets, that there's only a handful that know what's actually going to make that final cut. What goes to air? What is that final build to head into WrestleMania? Uh, you, you, could head, you could absolutely head that, head that direction.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this then. Why not just tape WrestleMania? Does WrestleMania have to be live or could you just film WrestleMania?
1: I would go along with you know, in the sense of that. I've, you know, even on our platforms, I know Ben and Stevie had a, a tremendous conversation about it going Wednesday to the midweek locker room with Bellow and Strangler Steve. I mean, they had some great ideas you know, they were having fun kicking back and forth, but yeah, I mean, you just think about how crisp you could make this thing. You could eliminate where you didn't hear the calls. You could, really get in there and edit all of your angles so that nothing gets exposed and, and you you get that over-cinematic, dramatic feel to this thing.
0: Lucha, underground the fuck out of it. You absolutely
1: could do that. But in a sense, so I also see where the appeal is to, you know, this is, even, you know, in your pitch, in your marketing strategies, your campaign, you really want to send that, you know, emphasize, this is live. And, and especially in this time of crisis, We are going to these lengths to bring you absolutely original programming. You're going to see it happen in real time, just as professional wrestling should be presented. This is where it's at its finest. This can be something for everyone. This is a show for all, for the entire world to see, and it is absolutely 100% live in front of your eyes. And I think that's also, as we've heard these other rumblings, that, you know that Fox might be in, be interested in showing one of these nights ESPN might be interested in going live one of these evenings you know that's gonna drive up that dollar I mean doesn't that drive up also your advertising dollar I, I think there's I, I can see the arguments on both on both fronts here the you know the points and the counterpoints
0: yeah I'm so torn how I feel about this
1: I, I really I'm more, my concern isn't so much over the tape pros and cons to the live pros and cons. It is more of trusting this WWE strategy right now that they are going to, you know, give it the proper presentation that, you know, a brand, a platform like WrestleMania that we expect. And as we get into talking about the programming this week, raw and SmackDown and all that, some of these major issues that I have were for the product. For the front line of what we received from them, from WWE, that is where my frustration lies. If they could take a step back, look around at what others are doing, really sit down and, and give it their, their number one A-plus effort to give us the best possible presentation, then yes, go forward live with this thing. My reservations about doing the tape thing is that... I haven't really liked what I've seen from them so far with these empty arenas.
0: Well, we'll, we'll talk about empty arena wrestling here a little bit later in the show. Um, right now, let's kind of run through WrestleMania, what they do have planned. Um, if, we do know they have moved it to two days. It's going to be Saturday and Sunday where they have canceled takeover. They have canceled the hall of fame. We'll talk about takeover when we get to the NXT show from this week and whatever the NXT that was. Um, Two nights of WrestleMania, I I actually like this, especially if you're going to do it without fans, because both of these shows, if you can keep them to two, three hours, get in, get out, give people a really good show, give them two really good shows, you know, rather than sitting there for six hours with nothing going on. I, I like making the move to two nights.
1: Absolutely, uh, this is something, and we're going to see how this you know, this really works out. You know, this could be something that they consider going forward with, and just restructuring this entire weekend. And, and I guess at that point, what you could do is stretch, you know, that WrestleMania, that in, the entire experience, the extravaganza that it is. Even if you know on an, a normal year where everything is rocking and rolling, the flow is there that you could you could stretch this thing out. Uh, You know, move it to where we begin with the Hall of Fame on Thursday night. Then you you transition that into Friday with your takeover. And then Saturday, Sunday is when you, you know, your presentation for that marquee WrestleMania.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's probably going to be a plan going forward. So right now, as it stands, night one on Saturday will be headlined by Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair for the NXT Women's Championship. Mark Calloway versus AJ Styles, not The Undertaker versus AJ Styles. It's Mark Calloway versus AJ Styles, as well as Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens on night 2. April fifth, Goldberg versus Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler, John Cena versus the Fiend Bray Wyatt, and Edge versus Randy Orton. Even though that match is not officially announced because Randy Orton has not accepted Edge's challenge to this point, um, there is a bit of argument over what is the main event. Of night two. And the two names that we're seeing argue about this are Roman Reigns and Edge. Roman Reigns takes to Twitter and he says, Two nights of WrestleMania, WWE's biggest event just got bigger. One of those nights belongs to the big dog who will claim the other. Guess we'll see. Hashtag main event. To which Edge replied, Aw, that's cute, big pup. But whether you realize it or not, if Randy Orton has the nads to accept my challenge for WrestleMania, we've already marked our territory on what the real main event is. After nine years, the wolf is back in the yard. Rick, what is the main event of night two of WrestleMania? Because in my mind, if it's one of these two matches, it's got to be Edge versus Randy Orton but it wouldn't surprise me if they try to go with Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler.
1: Yeah. I I think this really comes down to a lot of the, you know, as I was talking about the, this this frustration that is really just settling in with me. And I know this is, it's really been a long time coming and I don't know if it's because I've got so much more free time to really sit and examine the product here. And it, with it really being the only show in town you know, it's, it's not like, you know, I can, okay, I, I, let me take a step back here and, and, and focus on NWA or Ring of Honor or, or New Japan or you know so many of the hot indies that are happening with you know seemingly with all of them being shut down due to the regulations that have been set in place here, you, you really begin to focus in. We regularly talk about this. It's okay to want more, to ask for better from the number one promotion in the world. You know, I, I tweeted out earlier today, Twitter at the Real RBV. The WWE and McDonald's, they go hand in hand. They're both tremendous global brands. They're they're titans in their industry. But it, when it comes to the product that they are handing across the counter, out the window, they have convinced their consumer base that poor and mediocre should be not only accepted, but its quality. So across the board, these builds for all of these matches— when I'm thinking about something like WrestleMania, what should, you know, all the marquees that they have, but the marquee of marquees, I don't know if there's anything, anything that they've done that screams that it deserves to be the headliner or headliners at this all important event, especially in this year with all of the focus in this, all the, you know, a whole different universe that we're being placed into I, I don't know them any of them stand out i was having a conversation yesterday on facebook and how many media discussion group and i was talking about oh is it in the smackdown discussion and it was everything here is it, just so lowest common denominator booking that they're just it's so half-assed half-hearted and so it's well you know the the randy orton and edge that's been a good program i said no it's just been better It's just been better. They have not fully delivered on any of this.
0: And they lost me a couple of weeks ago with Edge's little tirade. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it
1: came out hot. Came out hot. But, you know, even in that, where was that individual? Where is the VP of what the fuck? Ben Hamin to sit there and say, "Okay, guys, you're in the right direction. You're just missing the mark here. Now, let's let's amp it up. Let's go full throttle. Let's take this to the next level. Let's really get people invested. I don't think they've done that anywhere across the board here now what I, here's what i'd like to see let's we need to look at this this you know a hot commodity is wrestlemania going forward is, is someone going to eventually you know give here is wwe going to say okay we, we've realized at this point things have intensified where we can't do this we do we are going to go on with uh, a postponement and announce another date or or the local officials is going to come in and shut down the show. We still could see that happening, but everything right now is full go ahead. So as we're planning, you gotta be looking at that next step. Okay, so once we get to Monday morning, Michael Jargo's last record inside the Monday locker room. WWE, what is our next move? How can we keep people still buzzing about us? How do we stay at the forefront here? You know, where the other leagues have have, have gone into a hibernation. Where do we keep rolling forward?
0: I I'll lay this out too. It's not only that, how are you going to convince me to watch Monday Night Raw? Because as things stand right now, I have every intention of canceling my WWE network the Monday after WrestleMania when I am done recording these shows. And I have no intention of watching WWE shows going forward if I don't fucking have to. Oh,
1: that, and that's the biggest question, right? That is what we're looking at as a creative team. Now, I, do you have a lot of faith that they're having the conversation we are having? No, are they or are they just looking at let's just let's get to the
0: fifth and get the hell out of Dodge? I mean, at this point, like honest to God, I tuned into Smackdown and 10 minutes later I tuned out. It was awful.
1: It it, it was bad. I tried sitting down and watching it in real time last night. Couldn't. I got up extra early this morning because I knew I needed I needed the extra time. I couldn't sit down in a single sitting and get through that show. It took me hours, segment by segment, to get through that thing. So if I'm then, I'm gonna take, to, I'm gonna play to this this social media exchange between these two, and I would go into Sunday night the fifth. I would close that thing out with the hottest program they have, and, and believe me, I, I use that term loosely. Hot, but it is the hottest one they have. And that is Randy Orton and Edge. That is what the WWE Universe is hungry for right now.
0: You think that's hotter than Becky and Shayna at this point, even with the Stone Cold rub from Monday? Like, in their mind, I'm not saying it, it, what what's reality. In their mind, it feels to me like they're trying to set up Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler to be the main event.
1: I, okay. I, I, I could see that argument there. I'm still I still think that the Universe is a little bit more hungry for Edge and
0: Orton, they're sure as hell not hungry for Roman Reigns versus Goldberg.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think 100. percent You're right there, and that thing has been an absolute. It's it's disgusting. It's embarrassing. It's just been a tremendous letdown, a tremendous failure. I'd go ahead and close with with Edge and Orton. You have that moment. You let you know Beth's going to get her spot. You know to get you know get her her heat back or not her heat back, but you know to have her moment. For Randy laying her hands on her, laying his hands on her. Edge gets that grand moment. You get that that true feel-good from the rumble that carries over to WrestleMania. People are talking about that. I move forward. And I think too, as you're talking about, you kind of have to let the brand the, the brand split go that next week. I think you gotta come out Monday with your true stars. The biggest developments that happened on You know, at WrestleMania, that two-day event there, they need to immediately roll over to that Monday night. You got to keep people hooked. You got to keep them hungry. You got to keep that fire going. So I'd have Edge come out. And, you know, he's got that moment. He's given that speech. And have him address, is he going to stick around? And and have that be a question. As he comes out here tonight, he got that revenge on Randy Orton. You know, but now we're going to find out. Does he truly want to stick around knowing that what he just went through, what his family went through for these months? See, you're setting that up. I'd have Roman Reigns come out, and, you know, is, he is the baby. He is the face, but he walks with that cocky swagger. I'd have him come out and say, you know, remind us of that exchange they had and have Roman come out and say, you know, I actually went to HQ. I want the old man McMahon. And I said, to give you your moment, have it as Roman gave him that opportunity. And then you set up going forward a program between Roman Reigns and Edge. I think that's your connect. You're bringing generations together. You've got something fresh. you got a program that could be on fire going forward.
0: Okay, so let me ask you the, the well, I would say million dollar question, but, you know, with no fans in attendance, I'm not sure that there's a million dollars on the line. Is that program for the championship of the universe? Because Roman Reigns is going to beat Goldberg, right? Like, that just seems yeah. like a foregone conclusion, which is all the more reason that it's not the main event.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, if that thing is your main event. I, I'm not so worried about, and you know, that they've got their, you know, you're not going to have an audience turn on the thing. But all about the deals you have in place, I think, which makes it more important this thing's running on the network. Sure. They can hide their numbers and people just turn it off. They can hide that. But is, is is that the lasting
0: impression that you want to close WrestleMania with is Roman Reigns standing there with the title? Or do you want to bury that underneath of, you know, Shayna Baszler and edge getting his big win over Randy Orton?
1: Right. And, And I'm taking on that consideration when I'm saying, and then you turn it where Roman says he gave up that spot. So that people aren't thinking like, oh, the company, did now they're turning this into a story. Because even if, you're not going to have a crowd to turn on it. If it's on the network, they can hide those numbers. But as you were saying, Jargo, what is that hook? What is going to bring you back the next night? What's going to bring you Friday night? It sure as hell is not going to be the last member you have of WrestleMania 36 being Roman Reigns, Standing over Goldberg. You've already had your fill. You know, it, now they're not, they're not going to, you're not going to roll over with this thing. You want that feel good. So either I would still go with Orton and Edge. I would use that and, and start a new program going forward with Roman and Edge. And eventually, yes, Edge will put over Roman. That's something, you know, but we're building into that next hot program. That's going to get us into these summer months as we get back to normality inside of society. People are still going to be hot for that program. That is, that's our bridge to get us into like that summer slam season, that next
0: step. One of the things that I firmly support this two nights is because of the length of the show. Nobody wants to watch six, seven hours in a freaking empty arena. It was hard enough watching 10 minutes the other night. So I was very, very happy when I saw these announcements and I was like, cool, four matches each night you get in, you get out, you're out of there in just a couple of hours. When you edit the whole thing together for the network, you can sit down, watch WrestleMania 36 in, like, you know, maybe four or five hours. Awesome. Good call, WWE. And then they started announcing more matches. What why are we adding more matches? Why am I gonna see Bailey versus Lacey Evans versus Dana Brooke versus Tamina? versus Naomi versus Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. That's not even worthy of being on fucking SmackDown.
1: I was going to say, you know, it's not, not only is it not a kickoff show, I mean, it's not even, it's not even worthy of being like on a pre SmackDown show. Why are we doing this? If you felt the need to fill extra time that you're not giving the consumer, you know, enough each evening of the product. I mean, why didn't we take some of the marquee takeover matches and fill them in? Why do we fill this need to take probably what is the, the shining example of you not giving a shit of lowest common on booking? The, one of the worst things in all professional wrestling is the SmackDown women's division. And now we're going to give it a spot here where you're hoping it's, all eyes on how are they going to pull this thing off this is the presentation the product that you want to put out there not just to your existing consumer but potential new fans and in the public
0: yeah I'm, i'm sorry i don't need to see tamina at wrestlemania like i i no i i just don't need that i don't need to see dana brooke at wrestlemania Nothing against Dana Brooke. I'm sure she's a very nice girl. Hope her and and Dave are happy. Lacey Evans is the and shits. I have no desire to see her at WrestleMania. Just just give me a triple threat between Naomi, Sasha, and Bailey. I'd be fine with that. No, absolutely no. We don't need any of this. This is this is. Well, I'm with garbage. you there. We don't need to add more time. Just do four fucking matches each night. That's all you got to do. And I also don't need the SmackDown tag team titles which they're going to establish a contender for next week. I also don't need the intercontinental title, which they're going to establish next week. We haven't even made it to the Lucha House Party yet. Like, why are we just adding matches to this? Why why aren't you trying to do the shortest show that you possibly can get in, get out, and be done with it?
1: Yeah, certainly less is more. Let the... What you have that is closest to people that are invested in, what you have the closest to what you are offering to actual superstars, that's who we should be showcasing. We need to throw out the window, at least for this year, this just asinine concept that they need to include as many superstars as they can on this thing.
0: I am happy to hear that they did cancel both battle royals. Those are not going to be happening.
1: But see, I would have taken some of these garbage matches and included those. Have a battle royale each night. If you want to get everybody out there, that's fine. You can put 20,
0: 25, oh, because of the 10 people. You can't have more than 10 people out there, which is the other reason that I'm surprised they're doing a six-pack challenge.
1: Well, what what does really count with a gathering on these things? I, I don't a, is, know. Is that a suggestion? I mean, when did a recommendation become a regulation in this right? country? Right? That's what seems to be confusing the hell out of people. Yeah. Those are recommendations, not regulations.
0: Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I don't know. I I was not looking forward to WrestleMania when I thought that it was going to be in front of 80,000 people at Raymond James Stadium. And now I just know.
1: And I think, you know, the biggest issue here is the intrigue that is there. Because I have a great deal of interest what's going to happen. But as I begin to list those things off for you, further and further and further down the line is actually the creative process and the matches themselves. Yeah, yeah. I give you, I can give you a dozen reasons, but coming in at thirteen and fourteen is this product is up. For, like I said, you know what they're passing through the window, what's going over the counter because we're only allowed carry out and delivery here in this country now. Ah, uh, yeah, it's absolutely hot garbage. What you know, thinking of it is we were talking about that main event, though. I, I guess maybe the biggest argument I could see, or not argument, but persuasion, for you know going with Becky and Baszler is if they do have something in the works with Ronda. Yeah, because the, the, just that lasting impression, they are going to need that major hook going forward, and that's that's that the biggest thing that they should be focusing on right now. I would say biggest because, I mean, obviously the biggest is just pulling this thing off and making sure it doesn't look like what the hell you've been giving us with these empty arena shows. But that next step should be of the utmost importance is to keep, to keep the fish on the hook.
0: Well, before we talk about what happened this week on WWE TV and AEW, I do have a little bit of good news that I wanted to throw out there to you, Huckleberry. Japan is bringing wrestling fans back. DDT ran a show this past Friday inside of Corican Hall, 916 fans in attendance. The capacity at Corican is just about 2,000. So it was about halfway full. Um, And then on the 22nd tomorrow, Dragon Gate is running a show in Kobe and fans will be in attendance for that. And then on March 24th, Stardom returns to Quarrican Hall for the Cinderella tournament. Round one is going to air free on YouTube. The rest will be on stardom-world.com. They have archives. They go back to 2011, 920 yen a month. So it's probably about, you know, $8.50 or so. Um, as soon as I cancel WWE Network, I will be signing up for stardomworld.com. Looking forward to that. Uh, first round: Mobo Wanatabe takes on Stardom. Starlight Kid, Jungle Kayona versus Julia, Konami versus AZM, Suri versus Jamie Hater. No B Priestley on this show. Thought that was a little bit odd. Um, Tam Nakano versus Saya Kamatani. Uti Hashashita versus Maika and former Women of Honor champion Mayu Iwatani takes on the hot rising star, Hannah Kimura. Looking forward to this, man. Stardom is always a good show. Stardom has ran a couple of empty arena shows as well, but more importantly, as we have discussed before, Stardom is now owned by Bushi Road, and they are owned New Japan Pro Wrestling. So Huckleberry, please, dear Christ, does this mean that New Japan coming back is right around the corner? Please say yes.
1: I'd say, that, you know, all signs point to yes. And yeah. I think, you know, as we're looking at that bigger picture for, you know, just not professional wrestling, but society itself to to really see, you go over to China, Japan, in that region. South Korea, Yeah, just that easy, you know, in Asia there, that region of the world where this thing, I mean, this it originated at and the effect that it had out of this gate here, the absolute unknown and what it did to their society, to their public, to see them, you know, beginning to return to a a little bit of what we what we know as normal life, what they know as normal life. It's got to be a good sign for all of us around the world And, and especially to see you know, if you're a fan of professional wrestling or whatever genre, you know, inside of entertainment or sport, to see those things are starting to pick back up. It's a, it's a a sigh of relief for for everybody. And I think, you know, that bigger picture again, just not just professional wrestling, is as a society here in the West, we need to look to them and learn a little bit about how they're adapting as they come out of their shutdowns and they're looking to go forward and build stronger. You know, it's one of those things. You take a step back. It's not about what's just happening here, you know, in our country and in, in our state in our little cities. This is a much bigger issue.
0: But, you know, it's also one of those things. Like, did you hear of the mass hysteria that went down in Japan? No, you, you didn't because there there wasn't any. Like Japan flattened that curve out so damn fast, you couldn't even say Wuhan. Like because in Japan if you have a little bit of a sniffle you put on a mask before you leave the house. Like they're all over this shit all the time. Like it, they didn't have to prepare for this. Like they they just went about their regular fucking business and it's just like, "Oh, there there's a lot of people sick. Okay, I guess I'm working from home today." Like it, it was just not a big deal at all over there. And now the curve has been flattened and they're resuming life as normal. I think we could all take a page out of Japan's book here.
1: You probably tend to act that way when you get a couple bombs dropped on you.
0: Yeah, well, there is that. There is that. Um, how about and then, start and, then there,
1: and then there's and then there's China that just if you said anything, you're you're dead.
0: Yeah, yeah, there is that. Uh, oh yeah, they must have had that coronavirus. <laughs> Have you checked out any stardom? I, I I know that we watched a little bit of it right around WrestleMania last year. Have you checked out very much of it at all over the course of the last year? Because I think if you're looking for like independent women's professional wrestling, stardom, shimmer, shine, those are probably the three shows I was looking forward to the most over the course of the next week or so. Uh,
1: absolutely. You know, it's not one of those that, uh, you know, you, you... That you can regularly go follow, but you you do pick up on their big happenings when news is coming out of those promotions. Because as you said, you know that focal point is on women's wrestling. It is about bringing them to the forefront, and, and really outside of you know they're not a spectacle there. They it's incredibly entertaining. It's what you can expect from any other promotion, and it's of the highest quality. And they bring around you know they bring stars from around the world. Many of them that we have here very close to us. We'll go over there and have an opportunity to mix it up with the other very best in the world. So yeah, it's you know it's one of those things that I I will say, Jarka, that I thank you for in our run here over these you know last two and a half years that you've really been able to open my eyes to. It's a a tremendous new product that certainly it's been something I've been missing. As I say, it's one of those things that I couldn't just step away from WWE when you get frustrated and, and focus, you know, point your attention somewhere else. So I'm glad if anything with that, you know, that's another tremendous point If is we've got something to kind of take us away. That relief factor from WWE.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Looking forward to checking out a bit more stardom as we uh, go forward here. Uh, let, let's go ahead. Let's talk about what happened on American television this week. Wrestling without fans. Of course, things started off Monday on raw and Rick for a three hour show. I sat down to write out what happened on Monday Night Raw. Here is everything that happened on Monday Night Raw. Edge cut a promo. That was pretty good. You had The Undertaker and AJ Styles contract signing. That was not very good. Then you had the Rey Mysterio versus Andrade match with Asuka on commentary. It was absolutely hilarious because Asuka was on commentary. I think we should do that for every match. We have the Becky Lynch promo, which was the drizzling shits. You have the Kevin Owens promo, which was pretty good. And then you have Stone Cold Steve Austin kicking Byron Saxton in the balls and sharing a couple of beers with Becky Lynch. That was a three fucking hour TV show. Three fucking hours. I mean, I appreciate WWE. Thank you for trying to entertain me during this time of crisis and quarantine and all that happy horse shit. But this show sucked. You got to watch this show in 20 fucking minutes.
1: Absolutely. And again, this is where, okay, the right direction. You brought the right names in here. You're pulling an audience. People are interested to see what you've got going on. You got 316 day, right direction, completely missed the mark. And I guess it is an overview. Monday and Friday, it's one of the things that is the most frustrating here is that WWE, when it comes to this front line, they they and they, they put those heels in, man. They're deep into the sand. They're, they're down there in that dirt. They are not gonna budge. Why can they it seems that they cannot come off this notion to pound their chests to say, look at us, we're going forward in an empty arena. Give that shit up. Yes, we all know that. Thank you. We applaud the effort. You're giving us original content. Now, how about relying on some of those other strengths that you have and using that amazing production team? I mean, so everything that they pretty much did, you know, give us some of the matches in there in that empty arena. And we can talk about all the production tweaks that need to go into that there. But at this point here, it was fun the first time out. You're doing everything inside the ring. That's great. But at this point, would have everything felt just a little more special, with a little more edge—no pun intended. Have you removed it from that setting? Put them in some different spots. Uh, put them in some, you know, backstage settings or personal one-on-one sit-down interviews. I, just, I feel like they've missed so many opportunities here because of their stubbornness in themselves that they just want to keep hammering home with that visual. Why they got the whole thing lit up and you constantly got the strobe lights going all over that empty PC arena. That's, look at us, we're doing this. You're not going to tell us no. We're going to keep moving forward. That's great. But you're you're hurting yourself going forward.
0: I was two-thirds of the way Right. Monday, inside the locker room, we talked about advertising Edge, Undertaker, and Stone Cold Steve Austin on a show with no fans and how difficult that was going to be, especially for those three characters. And I was two-thirds of the way right. I thought Edge was really good. I thought Edge's promo was really good, especially the delivery of it. Undertaker without all the bells and whistles and the fans and the ooze and the ahs just fell flat and stone cold without fans. I mean, I, I don't even know. Like it just felt so disconnected.
1: Well, it's what it's worked with, with the characters, you need an audience. That, that's where that extends from. You need to feed off of that energy a absolutely completeness here with the undertaker completeness with stone cold you know two of the talents that I wanted to give absolute credit to and as you mentioned edge let's ask ourselves why it's because edge actually has an acting background yep he knows exactly. how to work through he knows how to work through the camera yep he knows how to emote without having to re, you know play off thousands of people like that
0: with the exception of the entrance. The entrance was ridiculous. Like you walk out to this certain mark and you got to hit your pose. And you know, like that part felt ridiculous. But the promo itself, I thought was just freaking fantastic.
1: Yeah. And when you get down to the meat and potatoes of it, he knocked it out of the park. Home run from Edge. And that's why. Because he is a true professional in that aspect. I mean, overall, all these entrance things, where you got to come out and hit your, hit your cues. Those are a bit cheesy. But especially in this moment here with Edge. Right. This goes back to this just goes back to where this thing kind of derailed itself. You know, why wasn't he on the hunt at live events for Randy Orton? Why did he show up to that, take his time getting to the raw where he knew Randy, Randy Orton was going to be there? Why did he waste his time in the ring with NDB? All of that aside.
0: Why would he stop when he's halfway to the ring just to raise his arms in the freaking air with freaking devil horns?
1: Yes. I mean he's there to mean business, right? I mean, this isn't about if if anything, you know we're getting more Mark Calloway out of this thing just because AJ has been talking a little smack about Michelle McCool on Twitter about her you know social media activity.
0: Well, and it's like you're going to do do lights, you're gonna try to do just the lights, you're going to try to do the edge. on, lights off gimmick when there's no fans there and we can hear him moving around in the ring. Yeah. Like, yes. Like, well, What are you doing? Absolutely. I mean, to put it, if anything, you know.
1: In this case, we shouldn't get all the the edgeisms. If anything, we should be getting Adam Copeland here. If there's any reason that anyone should be crossing that line into reality, it's edge. It's edge.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's I mean,
1: just... it, it, Randy Orton tried to you know take his life, not just his livelihood, paralyze him, put his hands on his wife. I mean, that's an attack on your family. But now they're acting like it's more personal because just because, you know, AJ Styles said, you know, oh, your wife says this, you know, she pulls, you're a puppet for her. What the hell?
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: The wires are crossed here. I mean, that doesn't make it completely no sense there. And and the other one I want to put over, Kevin Owens, I think, did a great job. That promo was killer. And, you know, you you look at Kevin Owens because most of his career, and this is not a knock. He's been a journeyman. I mean, he started, you know, where it was. You're working essentially in an empty arena and you have to learn to get that emotion going.
0: Yeah. No, Kevin Owens, I thought was absolutely fantastic. Uh, what What do you make of uh, Stone Cold Becky Lynch in the pickup truck? Like, clearly that was intended for the WrestleMania entrance. And they were like, we have to put this on TV at least once to justify it. I think
1: the biggest thing is you're not doing Becky any favors and they think that they're getting that ultimate rub there. If you refuse to actually book the man like the rattlesnake, then stop making the connections because there is no way when you remove Stone Cold Steve Austin from that picture, there's no resemblance between those two. No. It, it, Becky is not an anti-authority ass kicker or true to it. She claims to be that, but there is nothing in her actions that shows that she is anywhere near the level of you know just the intensity or the attitude of a Stone Cold Steve Austin. No, it's just more lip service. If we tell them they'll buy into it, lowest common fucking denominator booking and not understanding character development. And what you could have. And I actually, in this whole thing, I feel bad for Becky Lynch in this. Because they could be printing money with her face on it. But they're, it, I don't know what it is. I just, I think they're just, I, I want to say that they're too lazy. I just think they're inept. I don't think they know how to do it.
0: Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Do you know, what's the average
1: age of, or what would you guess? I mean, we know the producers and agents. They're older because we see who gets signed to those positions. You know, mm-hmm. those are the guys that have been in this business for a while. But I'm wondering what's the average age of the creative team, the writers.
0: As far as I know, a lot of them are like mid-20s. I mean, okay, because, so, you know, they're you're, you're talking like Notre Dame grad students. Okay. So we're talking about.
1: The upper echelon snowflakes of the world, the millennials.
0: Oh, clearly. Yes, absolutely. Therein lies your problem. Yeah, because you're trying to write something edgy and you have the snowflakes writing it. You have the Ryan Satins of the world writing, you know, the edgiest TV show on television. Thank you. Thank you. That is
1: perfect. They don't know how to be badasses. We're going to say that is absolutely perfect, Jared. We have got the mindsets of a Ryan Satin. Going out there and trying to write exciting, over-the-top, risqué television.
0: Yep. And this is what you get.
1: That's like trying to ask Mother Teresa to to direct a porno.
0: Yeah. And you wonder why I'm canceling the WWE Network in favor of stardom. I mean, you know. I don't even know if they've got English commentary. Don't even fucking care at this point. WWE also did something on Monday that is one of the most egregious things that I think I've ever seen. And Rick, maybe I'm just reading too much into this because nobody else is talking about it. What did they do with Byron Saxton? Monday on Monday Night Raw. So he's calling out to Stone Cold, right? Oh, hell! Byron Saxton was supposed to represent every single one of the fans. Byron Saxton was the fan interacting with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he's the biggest fucking idiot inside of the entire WWE universe. That hurt Stone Cold. I think that segment really hurt Stone Cold Steve Austin as much as this last year has hurt The Undertaker. The Undertaker's legacy has taken a pounding over the course of the last year. This is going to be the beginning of Stone Cold taking that pounding. This was not good. And they made all of the WWE fans into Byron Saxton.
1: You know, this is a perfect example. You've got Monday night of this subtle imagery that they're sending. They're sending, you know, the undertones for, a grander message yep we saw we saw another example of this on Wednesday night Wednesday night much like everything else they got it right what we got here on Monday night complete utter total garbage and, and those people that you know that were you you go look at WWE social media and you see some of the comments the people rallying behind this, that are completely missing the point, missing the mark of what you just laid out
0: there, Jargo, that was, a, that was represented at you. Yeah. it's you. That's what Vince McMahon thinks of you. Byron Saxton. It's, it's you, you mark charge. Byron Saxton represents all of you. Keep that in mind. Every time he talks from now on Huckleberry, let's talk about Wednesday, but I'm not talking about AEW. We're going to save that for the end. Cause I want to end on a positive note. What in the NXT was that? Have you ever seen a more throwaway two-hour professional wrestling show than whatever the fuck NXT was on Wednesday night? You canceled TakeOver? Shit, you might as well have canceled fucking NXT on Wednesday night. I would have rather watched four fucking reruns of Modern Family than that fucking shit. That was ridiculous. They expect people to fucking watch that show? I can't believe 542,000 people watched that.
1: I was going to say, what was the most stunning aspect about it was the number. How many people tuned in for this thing?
0: 542,000 people watched that fucking piece of shit wrestling show. That was awful. That might be the worst episodic professional wrestling show I think I've ever seen. I usually have them both on and I watch thunder.
1: <laughs> I usually have them both on and, you know, and I, I will not deny that. Usually AEW holds my attention more. It's where the sound goes. Uh, at this point, I made it through all about, I want to say top down maybe three minutes of NXT in real time. And then I actually turned that television to something else. So I had AEW and I hell I think I had like Gunsmoke or uh, South Park running on the other one. I mean it, it was so bad there was nothing there that I didn't even want to even glance over at it. And then I saw the numbers. Hey, I guess Bravo to them that they that they were able to retain that many you know just brain dead morons to tune in for that thing. Those those that, that, those five thousand plus. Those were the people being represented taking that stunner on Monday.
0: Yes. Byron Saxton, 542,000 Byron Saxtons watched NXT this past Wednesday night. Uh, Rick, so now that TakeOver has been canceled, what the fuck do we do? Like, do we just try to drag all of these stories that are about three weeks from their completion out until the next TakeOver, which what, isn't until SummerSlam?
1: Mm, would they do one around Money in the Bank?
0: Well, I mean that's that's typically where Takeover Chicago was, but they right. didn't do that last year. They did was that Takeover twenty five that they that they put in that spot. Yes, and then Chicago was War Games.
1: Well, I think you know with a two hour program, once you can get back to a legitimate. Uh, Filming schedule I mean could you go live the television With that and hope
0: Couldn't you just drag it out for like five weeks on TV Do
1: like I mean I I suppose yeah I suppose you could I mean absolutely Especially if if that's what they're going to Continue to give us
0: Yeah because And if that is the case five weeks From now is anybody going to watch NXT Even when things return to normal
1: which, you know, is another reason it's really surprising to me. We're getting, we're adding on these red and blue matches to WrestleMania of zero freaking interest.
0: You mean to tell me you wouldn't rather see Finn Balor versus Walter at WrestleMania than Bailey versus five other fucking people? You wouldn't rather see Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano than. Daniel Bryan versus Shinsuke Nakamura on no build whatsoever? You wouldn't rather see Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream than The New Day versus Eminem in an empty arena? Really? I don't get it. I don't get it. And I don't know what we're going to do. Like, I don't know what the plan is for NXT going forward at all.
1: You have, to ask, you have to ask
0: Hunter. I mean, at this point, like the biggest women's match at WrestleMania is for the NXT Women's Championship. And we were supposed to basically have a money in the bank ladder match to determine who was going to be the number one contender to whoever wins. I don't know what we're doing.
1: See, now that we talk about it now now I'm even more frustrated with, with their frontline product. <laughs> it
0: just doesn't make any sense. Let's talk about SmackDown. My fucking God. Let's talk about SmackDown. Rob Gronkowski, Mojo Rowley, Baron fucking fuckface Corbin. Rick, this was uh, the extent of my SmackDown watching. I-, I couldn't take it after this. I mean, this was so bad. I, I can't believe they're putting this on Fox television. Uh, it, w-
1: it would at this point, too, I mean, I could see, you know, if you're going forward with WrestleMania as, you know, the norm, the the, the larger than life, the grand production, I understand, you know, why you'd bring in Gronk here. I understand the need. I know it's not going to be it's not overly popular, but I understand why you go with this host kind of concept that they go with here, but especially now, though, with everything that's been changed. Why are we doing this? What, what is even the need? You've already sold the product to all these major networks, this crossover. Just the fact right now that you're moving forward when everything else is shut down, that's going to give that's going to give you your crossover appeal. That's where you're going to pull that major PR. I don't see where this adds in any way, shape, or form any significant amount, amount of value. And then the way that you present this thing, to roll it out, Again, where you can't step back and take another direction to showcase what Gronk is about. That he's still, you know, even though we have to, we have to reinvent WrestleMania, he's still bringing the party. This is the hot garbage that you roll out here. You got to pull this out in your empty arena. Absolute bullshit. And more than that, it was embarrassing. This is this, this would have been one of those situations where I'm out in public and I convince. The bartender, whoever it might be, hey, turn, turn wrestling on. And, you know, people, they, they kind of give you that, Ugh, he's doing what? But then you see that their eyes are always locked over on the television. They're interested, they're focused, what's going on? And then you see something like the New Day coming out with pancakes or uh, a dog food match, whatever it might be. And you kind of just sink down in your chair a little bit and hope that and they're not looking, still looking over there. This would have been one of those moments.
0: You know what I would love to see? I would love to see, like, the reaction if you did that same exact thing, except when you turned on the TV, it was Tomohiro Ishii versus Shingo Takagi. I would like to know what the reaction to that is.
1: What do you think? Like, do you, what do you, I mean, where do you think it would be?
0: I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know what, like, a mainstream American reaction would be to a strong style match like that. I would be curious.
1: If you're going to present Gronk in this fashion, though, I mean, this goes back step away. You didn't have to do anything there. You could have filmed something at his house or wherever the hell he keeps the party bus. <laughs> it had him stay, you know, Hey, the Gronk express. I know, you know, everybody, everybody needs, everybody needs a little bit of an escape to step away and have a good time. I'm coming to WrestleMania. Do you remember? You could have-
0: do you remember the Adam Rose vignettes when he was just getting ready to debut? Yes. On, on, <laughs> on, on, the, on, the, on the Express, the I forget what it was called, like the Rosebud Express or whatever. The Exotic. The Exotic. Yes, express. the Exotic Express. Couldn't you just like take out Adam Rose and put Rob Gronkowski in all those vignettes and just that's
1: Gronk? Uh, well, hell, I mean, did you see the new WrestleMania T-shirts they've got out? That they've released, it has the logos and it has like the. There's two versions of it. It's one with like the ship setting, and then there's one with like the uh, the superstars. But and then on one on the front, one on the back, it says, you know, WrestleMania 36. I wasn't there.
0: Yeah, I have seen that. I have seen that.
1: Okay, so you could have started with the Gronk Express, you know, wherever the hell he's located, wherever you're you're basing this this kayfabe run out of, and you know, travel's difficult, but he's got his provisions. He's got the bus ready to go. He's heading. He's heading south.
0: Oh my god!
1: He's heading to Florida. Gronk's gonna be there. He's bringing the party. Don't worry about you know being in an empty arena and then have like every now and then you could show. Use you, social media for this. You can show this on. You can use this on your programming where you desperately need filler, but have him stopping. But he can't. He can't pick up fans.
0: Oh my god! He should pick up like the No Way Jose Congo line. Like the Rosebud rejects and just bring them all to WrestleMania. No, no, you you can't
1: have any of them. He can't, he can stop. Like he's going to pick them up. (laughs) Like you show these people like, like waiting, like pick me up. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Like the bus stops, door opens and it just closes and keeps going.
0: It's awful. Uh, Speaking of awful, there is one other thing that they had Gronk out there for. It was to set up yet another WrestleMania match that nobody ever needs to fucking see. Elias versus King Fuckface. Why does that need to be at WrestleMania? Come on, shell victory shell. Why are we doing Elias versus King Fuckface?
1: I have shifted all my, all my corporate, all my shilling to corporate. <laughs> I think I, I have done my fair share on this episode and likely going forward here. Hey, I, I I put over business operations. Fantastic job. Thank you, WWE, for moving forward. It's fine on all of that, but what you're giving us on the front line is the most frustrated I've ever been with your product, especially right now. And it's not—I guess I could—I could forgive them if it was just bad, but it's just obvious that they're not even trying at this point.
0: Yeah. Uh, one one big positive from SmackDown—at least I thought it was going to be a big positive—was when I saw that American Catch Point was now a thing. Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak teaming together to take on the Artist Collective. Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. Like, if on paper, Drew Gulak and Daniel Bryan versus Cesaro and Nakamura? Fuck yeah! And then the match was just kind of meh. And I, I don't even know if it was that the match was meh, or if it's just the WWE presentation and I can't get into any kind of WWE matches at this point.
1: When you you get beat down so much with everything else, and it is from how they're presenting the programming right now, and it, and it's what's your sandwich, sandwiching around this thing it, that is so just beyond awful that you, you can't get over that hurdle to get invested in actually what they're somewhat doing right.
0: Well, and it's the presentation, and, and this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because we're going to talk about Dynamite here in a second. And Dynamite's presentation was awesome. But when you look at SmackDown and NXT and Raw from the Performance Center, I don't like the lit up arena where I'm just sitting there looking at empty chairs. It's a constant reminder of everything that's going on. The acoustics in that building are freaking awful. There's just no kind of energy to anything that's going on. I just, I don't like the WWE presentation. I thought what AEW did with pointing the hard cam at a video screen absolutely helped. Being in an outdoor venue, so the acoustics were a hell of a lot better. I really thought that helped. I really thought that darkening out the fans, uh, the, uh, the outside of the arena where the fans would be sitting so it looked more like a New Japan show with all the focus on the ring, I thought that helped. I just don't like the WWE presentation for these empty arena shows. I don't think it looks good.
1: Yeah. Everything was so tightened up with dynamite, right? And just the visuals, how they move that hard cam where you have a good focal point behind you.
0: They put an effort into it.
1: You're excited. And then even, you know, they had the ring right up there. It was just that short little distance with that extended ramp. The floor camera shots, everything was shot nice and tight. They didn't over exaggerate, you know, hitting those, the, your trademark entrance spots. You saw those a little bit. those run through your routine. But even when they come out and point, they would point directly at a camera. Right. You know, it wasn't like they're scanning to see their fans or all this. It, it, it's those little subtleties. And when they would address, you know, in their interviews, they would talk through a camera instead of just talking to this open arena.
0: Even something as simple at the very beginning of the show, when you heard Q Cody, it just immediately made it feel different. If you go back and you watch that episode of Dynamite, the very first thing that you hear is the director say, Q Cody.
1: So it it takes you behind the scenes. Now, I I thought it was, I don't know if they purposely meant that thing.
0: I don't know if they did or not, but I thought it
1: was awesome. No. No, I, I, that was cool. That added to that moment and it got you set into, it set the tone for the evening, but you could hear him counting Hardy out too at the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which I, it, it, I gave him a pass and even if there were some other things in there and even inside WWE, when you, when you hear them, you know, calling things at certain points.
0: I give him I, a pass even, on all that a botch and
1: all that that's absolutely that's a pass I and mean, that's absolutely nitpicking but if you're down to that level i mean you're really digging deep into this because they have given you hell they have given you a plethora of of reasons to be frustrated to be angry to be concerned and want more from this product
0: and you know i think that the biggest thing was for me with the WWE product is it's so polished and it's so clean that when you take away the biggest element of what makes it work, which to me is the fans, it just feels hollow. Dynamite didn't feel hollow. WWE just feels like it's, it's a hollow product. It's we're here because we have to put on seven hours of television this week. We, we, we don't really care. Like, we, we could just be showing you reruns. But no, the networks want us to be doing original content. So here we are. There was like one wrestling match on WWE TV last week. Yeah, it, there was as much wrestling on Dynamite as there was on all seven hours of WWE.
1: In those segments, you know, we talk about the Gronk segment real quick on, you know, just setting up Bailey's match. I mean, this is what this is what you can find for Paige. This is how you get to this is her frustrations in a social media war is for her to use some kind of pull s- swag, whatever she's got to set it up that now Bailey just because Bailey is a champion. And
0: this is what I don't get either. Bailey's beaten all those people. Well, and when, when even when it came to Tamina, she's like, why don't you throw Tamina in there too? Does she even still work here? <laughs> I don't know. So Does she, we never yeah, see yeah. her. I mean,
1: could, could we, yeah. What, what the hell is that about? You know, let's go back to steal a line from Bianca Belair. You don't even go here. You
0: don't even <laughs> go here. I mean, come on.
1: So now Bailey, just because you got a bad attitude and you're not a favorable champ, but you know, besides that, you've beaten everybody we've thrown at you. But now we got to throw them all at you, and then you got that little play there. With are we supposed to? It doesn't even if if the big build your payoff here is that you're looking for something between between sasha and bailey doesn't take away from all of that to include this cluster of other losers what do you need People the other four for if you wanted to get to this if page okay you know that rumor that page wants to come back so maybe they're trying to lay the groundwork the undertones <sighs> the possibility down the road that we're getting this if that's what we're going if you must if you come to me and you say okay we got to get page into this somehow okay wasn't the biggest bitch move that Paige could come up with is, you know, I, there's nothing more than I'd love to come back at WrestleMania and and take that, you know, not only smack that smirk off your face, but take that title from around your waist. But I'm still not cleared for that. So, you know what? I went to, I went to the board of directors or whoever the hell it might be because we don't know who's making these matches. I went and pulled some strings and I got the next best thing. And then then you have Sasha come in, start running her gums like she did. What was up with that uh, Chitara outfit, man? I thought she was looking pretty good in that thing. A little wild, a little exotic, but then you have Sasha going off on her little, you know, tirade and all that. And then you have Page stepping and go, "Oh no, 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 Sasha, you're the opponent."
0: Yeah, and that's all you needed. That's all you needed. If you if you're going that direction. Which
1: I would still sit, I'm trying to make an argument. We don't even need this. I'd say I, I'd roll out if if we're if you really must have a SmackDown Women's Championship match, just because the way we do things around here is just we pull them out of our ass, is I'd run Bel Air out there.
0: Yes. I would much rather see that. Uh, and then they show. It, it wouldn't make any damn sense, but it's WWE, you know. Well, it'd make as much goddamn sense as this <laughs> bullshit does. <laughs> um, That's true. Uh, as far as The Fiend versus Cena goes. As for the build this week, they actually went back and they showed from WrestleMania a couple of years ago Bray Wyatt versus John Cena, and of course Bray Wyatt is saying that was kind of the genesis of this Fiend character, and the Fiend wouldn't exist if it wasn't for John Cena burying younger talent and blah, 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 every storyline that we've heard from John Cena over the course of the last three, four years. Rick, is this working for you?
1: All of this did is remind and reinforce the idea that WWE no longer has the capacity or know-how to create characters. Yeah. Uh, That match was just a a reminding moment of what could have been with somebody like a Bray Wyatt, like that persona, with the family, with everyone that was involved there. Yep. It was just a booming reminder that as a creative aspect inside of this company, they have no idea what they are doing with these talents. They are incapable of creating new stars. And especially your true stars are going to be around the persona, around that character. You can have all the ricochets in the world. You can have all the The Rollins, you know, rents, wash repeats. That only gets you so far. Those oohs and those ahs for your dance floor routines only gets you so far. People truly get invested inside of those characters in this company somewhere along the way. I I don't know if it's forgotten or if this falls under that we just don't care anymore. But they are not and cannot produce quality characters.
0: If only Kevin Sullivan was booking Bray Wyatt. Uh, So next week on SmackDown, it's going to be Drew Gulak versus Shinsuke Nakamura. And of course, if Gulak wins, then Daniel Bryan gets a title shot. Because that makes fucking sense. So if Drew Gulak beats Shinsuke Nakamura, then Daniel Bryan gets a shot at Sami Zayn at Empty Mania. On what plane of existence does that make sense?
1: I'd, I'd put Bel Air in that match, too.
0: <laughs> I'd have her win that match, too. <laughs> New Day versus the Usos. The winners will face Eminem at Empty Mania for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Rick, if there was a pre-show, this is the match that would be on the pre-show.
1: I mean, there'd be a handful of these matches on the pre-show.
0: I feel like this whole and show it, would be the pre-show.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Is this really? Is this what they're doing here? Is this like a pre-show to like the real WrestleMania we're getting in July or the next Saudi, Saudi show? Saudi,
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah, and Reigns versus Goldberg. Yeah, we we had the contract signing between these two, and I it's just, what? Well, I just I don't get it. And this is what it
1: gets me. And, it, and it, you know, looking at these other these throwaway matches, you know, the women's SmackDown match, the tag match, the Intercontinental. Those are, you know, that that really is. In my mind, it is non existent filler. Not a whole lot of thought that needs to go into that. This is one of your marquees here. This is the Universal Championship. This is something I know that a lot of people were turned off to. But if you even tried, even tried just, just a tad bit, you could easily drum up some interest in this thing. And, and it still has crossover appeal. I mean, these guys look like superstars. Why didn't we go a little deeper into this thing? May, Embrace this situation, that this crisis in society here. I mean, why do we need them? Again, you have to show off your empty arena. This was a fucking pointless segment contract signing. I would have rather have seen these two shoot something from their homes. Show me that emotional Roman Reigns where he's there with his family. And, And now, you know, that he has been to the highest of highs at WrestleMania, but this one really means something. You know, with everything going on and people with their families embracing them that they you know they're they're looking for something that he's ready he's going to travel out away from his but he's going to come home a champion not just to make them proud to make everybody make the wwe universe proud one of those things you, you shoot something emotional and you could do that same thing for goldberg what a spin you know that he's you know he's in his confines where you know he realizes that this opportunity what has been given to him that he is you know he's held what has he held championships and what like four
0: different decades now? Uh, yeah, I believe that's right. Yeah, you talk to that.
1: You talk about that meaning and, and how he's using this time, you know, just not to reflect on, you know, what's going on in the world, but, you know, personal, personal to gather himself, to consider how fortunate he is to have had all of these opportunities. And now in a time where, you know, wrestling is more important and needed more than ever that he is ready to step up and shine. But no, we get this... Damn half ass garbage.
0: Yep. Half ass garbage. That's that's pretty much what it was. So let, let's shift. Let's talk about Dynamite. Uh, because I thought Dynamite was a really, really good show this week. Uh, we, we talked about the presentation differences, but I think the thing that really, really started it was that Cody promo. Cody comes out, cuts that promo. And it was fantastic because it not only spoke to the real life situation at hand, he brought it right back into the kayfabe and the storyline that they have going on inside of the Elite. Um, uh, Matt Jackson coming out and joining him, Kenny Omega coming out and joining the two of them, Hangman Page coming out and tipping his drink to him. Uh I thought this was really, really good. Even, you know, the, the stark contrast between Cody and Kenny, because, you know, Cody seems like, you know, here's the situation, but don't worry, we'll get through this. And Kenny's like, yeah, but if we don't, it was nice knowing you. Like Kenny was very, very doom and gloomy. You know
1: what I, I, and I liked, you know, obviously Cody is, he's, he's the star. He's the one that you want to set the tone here. He, he stands out front. He's that leader of that pack. He's the spokesman. But I thought all all around they did a tremendous job. This is something where I thought Kenny, I thought he knocked his role out of the park here. He's more of those more intimate, sincere people. Mm -hmm. When you go back to Japan, you know it is that darker arena. It is a spotlight on him. It's not about where you need to pander. You know, it's it's a moment that's giving to you, and he's very sincere when he talks to those audiences. And you got more of that, and. All around, that's been the knock on Kenny Omega since making that transition to the more Western base, that larger that larger platform where he is on that national television here in the West, or you know, obviously global. But the focus is there in that presentation, that style. He it, it felt much more like a New Japan Kenny Omega talking to me, really talking to me there,
0: connected. And
1: and then with Jackson, I don't think he gets enough credit for this. He's he can do so much without even saying a word. His facial, his body language. I, I, he did a tremendous job. And then that's what you needed from Hangman. You know, that's 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 what you expect from that character, that persona right now.
0: I thought it was perfect. I thought Hangman's response was perfect. I mean, because you could tell it was heartfelt. Like It wasn't like he just came out there to give them a nod and be like, yeah, yeah, fuck you guys. Like, you could tell he really took what was being said to heart and just with body language and the way that he tipped his drink and then he turned around and went back. Like, I thought it was brilliantly done by hand-washing Adam Page.
1: It, it, it truly, I it, mean, it like I said, it speaks volumes that they understand what that character is about. I mean, who hasn't been there? Yeah, especially, you know, you don't know, believe it, you know, especially for me. Yeah. You, know, you can have a whole conversation in just a salute with a shot or your drink. It says everything. It says every, you could be going back and forth. You could have serious heat and beef with an individual and you give that nod. Everything's okay, man. I got you. We're good. And I think, you know, they set the tone even more so. That's not, you know, for, themselves what was going forward inside their own business but it set a tone for that entire evening would you really step back aew when they're not trying to be a video game or cosplay man they are really good really really good and that's what i took from this episode
0: I thought the timing with the video screen and the pyro and the music to start off the show was brilliant. I thought it was fantastic because it took you right back into, okay, that was real. They kind of addressed what's going on. You know, it was, it was solemn. It, it, it was very, very connected. And now we're starting the show and we're starting the show the same way that we start the show every other week. I thought it was just absolutely fantastic. That whole opening segment just knocked it out of the park. Let's talk about the Lucha Bros. Lucha Bros finally get a big win on television. That was nice to see. The Lucha Bros with Pac, otherwise known as the Death Triangle, defeat the best friends with Orange Cassidy. Rick, 2020 has been a really, really weird year. At the end of 2020... Are we gonna be sitting around and just kind of shooting the shit and like feud of the year is gonna end up being Pac versus Orange Cassidy?
1: I, I hope not. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't even remember this match. It, you know what I took from from Dynamite was more overall. And there are some moments that really stood out to me, uh, but again, you know, one of the other, I, I'm still I'm still lost with this tag division.
0: Yeah, I thought it was good to see the Lucha Bros get a big win. Thought the spot of of this entire match was the best friends when you gotta give the people what they want, and they go in for the big hug, and instead they did the elbow bump. I thought that was a nice touch. Those two guys, when it comes to character, are great.
1: It, and probably what I I liked, the, you know, after the match, I liked that we're going forward with this thing that they did some business there, and I'm a little more intrigued with that. Uh, But, you know, throughout this match, I was more interested in watching what Spears and MJF had going on.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Those two were absolutely fantastic. We'll talk about them when we get to the Butcher and Blade shit. Uh, First, we got to talk about Hikaru Shida. Hikaru Shida defeats Riho, Penelope Ford and Chris Stantlander. Um, And then we also get the setup for Colt Cabana versus Kip Sabian. Kind of in the background to this match. Number one, I thought the women did a fantastic job. I thought this match was was just knocked it out of the park. Um, I think this Joshi thing is going to work. Um, I think they really fucked up at the beginning, though. If instead of Riho, if Hikaru Shida would have been the first AEW women's champion. I think we would feel very, very differently about this AEW women's division. I think they just fucked up when they went with the wrong Joshi.
1: Okay, so they hitched the cart to the wrong horse there.
0: Yeah. And now they're,
1: now they're, maybe they're trying to, you know, as they've been saying, you know, give us patience, you know, have some patience with this thing, give us some time. So they're trying to revert back and maybe hit that reset.
0: Yeah. I, 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 just, Hikaru Shida seems like she is doing very, very well. I think she is one of the better women that they have. I have no idea if she speaks any kind of English, though.
1: She yep. won the, uh, the she won the MVP for uh, AEW this week, man. So
0: she's good. She's really good. Um, Cole Cabana versus Kip Sabian. It's a fun little undercard kind of feud that I wouldn't mind see go on for you know two three weeks.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely. It's one of those things that it's perfect for that undercard. And you know, I, think that, it, I the, think that audience is going to love it. They they're, they're going to have fun with it.
0: And I think it could establish Kip Sabian's personality. Like we've seen Kip Sabian wrestle, but now I think we could really establish the character. Perfect. Jurassic Express defeat the Butcher and Blade thanks to MJF. MJF shouting out instructions from the crowd telling them to use their finishing move and Sure enough, Jurassic Express get the roll-up win. Uh, Rick, I thought this was really, really good. Um, And you you mentioned MJF and Sean Spears kind of in the crowd and and they're gambling on the matches, which I thought was an absolutely brilliant reason to have them out there. Because you know otherwise, I would have been screaming about why in the hell would heels come out to watch other people wrestle in matches that they have no investment in. Well, they found a reason for them to be invested in it because they were sitting there gambling on the matches. I thought that was just freaking brilliant.
1: For those two, exactly. I mean, it's a perfect play. They got some action on this thing. You know, what else they, what else they going to do? They're going to have a little fun, make a little scratch on this thing. Up the ante. And then even in the other spots, even you know on both sides, they would rotate individuals out all you know, depending on their level of interest in what was happening, you know, you're either you're out there scouting, or maybe you're you're watching a friend of yours. You got somebody's back. Yeah, I thought it was very. It was a nice touch how they did us. And I've seen some people. Oh well, again, you know you got these social justice words that are freaking out about anytime anyone that's around everything like everyone needs to be locked up in a bank vault or the only place somehow i I didn't realize that the coronavirus didn't it can't go into anyone's personal residency i mean that's that's forbidden but so they're freaking out that you got these people and and going hey the king of the, the snowflakes himself there ryan satin taking the social media trying to take a shot at aew on this thing there was no danger there. And, and everyone there was an essential part of that show. They were telling stories. Even if you, you step back a minute from what's actually being told inside the ring, just looking at, you know, who's next to who, who's out there at certain times, they're moving things along.
0: The other thing that they had going for them, come stain satin. I mean, Ryan was the fact that they were in an outdoor venue You're safer in Daly's Place than you are inside the Performance Center. Inside the Performance Center, everybody's breathing the same goddamn air. They're in an open-aired stadium. They were way safer at Daly's Place, even with all those people there. God, I can't stand that guy.
1: Again, you know, people just – and he's a representation of a a good chunk of these uneducated fools that are out here that – that need to, they should not be spouting off at their mouth right now. I mean, do some freaking homework if you're going to try to make a serious point.
0: Otherwise known as Byron Saxton. Brody Lee revealed as the Exalted One. Huckleberry, I'm very disappointed that this happened at a show without fans because this show was scheduled to be in Brody Lee's hometown. And that pop would have been ridiculous. Re- Ridiculous. Um, I, I feel very, very bad for Brody Lee being revealed as the exalted one, but I'm very, very happy that Brody Lee was revealed as the exalted one. Um, I thought the video package was very well done. I thought them beating up SCU was very well done. I enjoyed just about everything affiliated with this whole Brody Lee thing.
1: Absolutely. And I thought this was the right direction. You know, they didn't need Hardy there, and I don't think Hardy needs them in any way. This is something that's going to let Brody stand on his own, let him shine, which he has rightfully earned. Tremendous talent, tremendous personality. This is going to, this is going to be it for him. This is he's going to take this thing on the upswing. I had seen a few things, just you know, to counterpoint out there. You know, Friday in the locker room, they were talking about. The only thing they really didn't like about it was, you know, the white jacket you know, if he's in the dark order. I, I thought it was, I thought it was a nice contrast to it. You know, that he now
0: he's the exalted one. He should right. be different.
1: He is. He's higher than him. he is the enlightenment with, he's the enlightenment with inside the dark order.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure about the gear. Like when he was actually in the ring, once he got the coat off, I'm not sure that I like him in like the, the, the full leotard kind of gear.
1: I go there, but, but you know, in, but to have him look different.
0: Yeah. You know, no, they,
1: they say, you know, when you die, there's a long, dark tunnel. Right. And what do you follow? The light. The light. Of course. That's it. That's his position. That's where he's at here.
0: Yep. Nope. I like it. Um, Lance Archer beats up backyard wrestlers. I um, love this. Absolutely love this. You know, and, and I did hear the guys on the Friday locker room that didn't necessarily like this. I, I'm with you, man. I enjoyed the ever-loving hell out of this. This was, like, super carny. I love this shit. They, they came around. When Stevie actually saw it, it, it clicked to him what they were doing. I
1: And this goes it. back. And immediately, I picked up on what they were doing. And you got to love the the touch with the spin the deal, spin the wheel, make the deal. Yep. And bringing back the midget there. And I, I, oh, I absolutely, when I saw this thing, I... I sat right up. I went to the edge of my seat. I was glued to this thing. We make that comparison. Hashtag don't be a Byron. That's what this is. This is a shot. They are calling Cody out. These are, this is the audience that can't be here. These are the punks that you want to associate with. These cosplays, these Scooby-Doo's, Jesus's that you're bringing to the ring. These Backyard Warriors that you have aligned yourself with, Cody. The Young Bucks. Half of that, your lower and mid card. <clears throat>
0: Joey Janella.
1: <clears throat> yes. Keep on going, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jimmy Havoc. <laughs> yes. They want to get in there and they want to play wrestler. Well, it, no matter where it's at, Everybody Jake dies. and his boy are going to show up and destroy you.
0: Everybody dies.
1: I loved it. I uh, the moment I saw it, that just screamed to me what they were doing. Now that's how you subtly tell stories and set undertones.
0: Okay, there was one other thing that I noticed about this video package. Yeah, that that was backyard wrestling. It absolutely was. You know whose backyard that was? Because I know whose backyard that was. That was Matt Hardy's backyard. That was shot at the Hardy compound. So immediately I was expecting Matt Hardy at some point tonight. So I did feel like that. That was a little bit of a spoiler seeing this earlier in the night. I would have liked to seen those on different shows, Um, especially with all the drone shots that were that were going on during that. Like that was clearly a Matt Hardy thing.
1: Yes. Uh, So you think think maybe they were dropping it in there to maybe kind of throw you off that Hardy would somehow be getting involved in that situation. That's possible. Because they are pretty good about that, you know, because they yeah. had already done that with the Dark Order with laying out, you know, yeah. the, uh, the you know their bullet tweet. points that all spelled yeah. out Matt Hardy. Uh,
0: which brings us to the inner circle. The inner circle gains the advantage over the elite in the main event. And then we see the appearance of Vanguard One and broken Matt Hardy. We do know that now Blood and Guts will be, I don't know, elite Matt Hardy versus the inner circle or, or, or the broken elite? Is that what we want to call them? The broken elite? Can we get behind that?
1: Well, I guess, you know, if you're the elite and you're borderline and you have Jericho continually talking to this, I mean, you, you physically have one of the members broken, who's not going to be able to compete. And then you've got, you know, all this turmoil going on. What's, you know, just not what's you know up, up for the company and all this, what's with inside your group. If you're broken, who do you go to fix you? The broken one.
0: There you go. Okay, Rick. So I have, a, I have a suggestion. Throughout this entire show, they're talking about blood and guts, whether it's Cody's promo or whether it's broken Matt Hardy joining the elite at the end of the night. It was all about blood and guts, and we now know that blood and guts has been postponed. I want to see it. I want to see Blood and Guts at the Hardy Compound. I want it Lucha Underground to fuck. I want Vanguard 1. I want Spanish Gods. I want Ayatolas of Rock and Rollas in the Lake of Reincarnation. I want to see the Young Bucks. I want to see the Old Bucks, otherwise known as the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, go, if we're going to have Kenny there, feel free to fly in Kota Ibushi on Tony Khan's fucking private plane. And let's get that fucking shit going Like let's Lucha Underground The fuck out of this thing I want to make this like the final Deletion 3 Blood and Guts at the Hardy Compound Because They put it off And they were very strategic throughout this entire Episode to say Blood and Guts is going to happen We don't know when But it's going to happen They have a, a, a giant window here I don't care if it takes three weeks to film the goddamn thing. I want War Games at the Hardy compound. Give me some blood and guts Lucha Underground style.
1: I think people could get behind that. It would make for some tremendous television.
0: I, thought I want Vanguard go in this 1 versus Sammy Guevara. I want to see that match. My money's on Vanguard 1.
1: Now, as we get there, if if they go forward in an arena, if, you know, if they want to wait and see if they can bring this thing to the masses, because, you know, I mean, that thing would be tremendous, you know, to have that, especially, you know, under their, their watch, you know, what's going, while it's going to be similar, it's going to be so different than the, the reinvention that we've seen of the war games match under NXT. And to have that in an arena, I think that would be something so special, something unique that's going to sell. Taking it to the compound, you're exactly right. That in it itself is its own attraction. It's going to be so over the top, that's going to sell. Both of them are gonna make for tremendous television. I wanna look a little more short term here and play off what's, what's your sort of pitching here, Jargo. Is we know that they are not gonna have that next week. What is also up in air is where they're going to be able to produce their content from. Who will be available? And we don't know how long that's going to be. What I would also suggest in there is how we, we begin to tell the story of, of how they have tied Hardy into this thing. And I would take the social media this week. They, you know, they are cutting edge. They target that millennial crowd. They, they target those that really follow this product. That's their core. They're, they're involved through their social media. They're watching dark. They're, following all those channels. And now you've even got the more general audience. People are focusing more on social media this week just because of, you know, the necessity of you need something to do. Have the the members of the elite get together, shoot some kind of vignette where, you know, they're, oh, okay. You know, we, we all agreed to this. Are we sure we want to do this? This is a major step. I mean, we, the company's so young. Are we, and, and you'll put over the search of this sense of urgency. And at the end game is, they are signing over dynamite for the foreseeable future to the mind of broken matt hardy and then go start giving us weekly programming from the compound or whatever matt can come up start shooting a couple weeks of stuff like
0: that yeah i think it'd be really cool
1: i think and that cool. you, that that gets you out of running arenas for say a month until we can get back and figure out really where when we're going to get back to you know a bit of normal in our life
0: yeah.
1: and you still, and you are giving us something very, you know, now I wouldn't say it's, it's so different than what we know, but it's certainly edgy and people don't want to say, where's my alternative. It sure as hell is going to be an alternative to what you're getting on the, from the other company.
0: I mean, it explodes the narrative all the fuck, but at this point, if there was ever a time to do something like this, it's right now what to where you could, you have so much creative latency where you can just go and we're throwing shit against the wall to see what works, man. Fucking go with it.
1: And I think, you know, and you, you can make those compar- We we've seen the broken universe inside of impact wrestling. You've seen the cinematic style in Lucha, but that's a very small sample audience. In a time of leeway, as you said there, Jargo, let's see if it sticks to that bigger wall.
0: Yeah.
1: Let's see if the broader audience will buy into this concept.
0: So I watched it last night. I know you watched it this morning. I want to wrap up with this Dark Side of the Ring, Chris Benoit thing. Um Rick, I watched it. You can find the first episode on YouTube, episode two. I'm not sure if it's coming out this week or if it's going to be next week. Um, The season premiere is advertised for March 24th, which I believe is on Tuesday. But I don't know if they're just running this episode or if they're going to run both hours, um, both on Tuesday or if it's going to be like the following week. Um, I thought this was very, very well done without getting too far into it. I kind of want to let people uh, go out and see this thing and then we can talk about it even some more Monday in the locker room. But what was kind of your overall thoughts taking a look at this, this first run of this Chris Benoit documentary?
1: Perfect. You read my mind. I was going to say, do do we want this thing to, you know, to get a little more of a run and, and settle in with some people and maybe revisit this Monday, but you know, overall so many emotions, that it's gonna to bring to the surface in individuals. It's hard to uh, watch. It's, it's very, it's very moving, it's very thought-provoking. And going back to what we talk about in the open is we regularly talk about if there's ever a reason to kind of take that step back and take that long 360 and look at it from every perspective, this this is how you need to go in with that mindset. And there's a lot I want to talk about with you, Monday. That you know, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with Chris Benoit himself, but it's that bigger picture and that bigger impact.
0: And there's an awful lot of talk of Eddie Guerrero inside of this show, too. So, if you're just avoiding the show because you don't want to hear about this whole Chris Benoit thing, Rick, is it safe to say about half of the episode is also about Eddie Guerrero because there's a lot of Eddie Guerrero inside of this 45 minutes or so?
1: I think this is something, even if you have somebody that, you know, that you're know you locked in with or you know somebody that is looking for something that, that, that is truly thought-provoking, not even a professional wrestling fan. I think this could speak to anyone from any walk of life uh, in, in really just how life can wear and tear on an individual, even those that, that can find tremendous success. It's just an all around us, a very emotional, well-done piece.
0: Um, I I know you're kind of like I am. You can't stand to watch Chris Benoit matches at this point. Um, And and I don't have a whole lot of desire to, even though I did watch one Chris Benoit match last night. Um, And it was mostly because Carly had never seen Chris Benoit wrestle. Uh, she had also she had seen clips of Eddie Guerrero, but she had never watched a full Eddie Guerrero match. So that's basically what we are doing on Quarantine Weekend. We are on an Eddie Guerrero binge, and she is quickly becoming a very, very big fan. Uh, Huckleberry, what's your favorite Eddie Guerrero match? If I'm just going to show Carly one from over the course of the years, do you have like a go-to Eddie Guerrero match? Oh. <sighs>
1: You know, it, you go back and you watch so much as you know in New Japan, with revisiting over the years. Black some Tiger incredible, stuff. In, yeah, uh, some incredible work over there. Man, him and chris or not Chris man, Well, him and Chris Jericho in ECW had some classics. And that's one of the things you know when people remember ECW, it's of the extreme, the violence. I mean, there was some. Uh, you want to talk about, you know, the cruiserweight division setting the table here in the United States for that style. ECW on the underground, so ahead of the curve. I mean, that's that's really who brought these people to the forefront, who brought them to the attention of WCW, was Paul Heyman and ECW. Those efforts uh, on that big stage, man, probably one of the best in, in the history of WCW is, was it a Halloween Havoc, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio?
0: I literally watched that match right before we started recording this afternoon. When you hit me up and you were like, hey, I I'm ready to record, that's what I was watching was Ray Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero, nineteen ninety seven Halloween Havoc.
1: And yes I said, you know, arguably one of the best in the history of you know that that era of the company.
0: And that's mask versus cruiserweight championship, if you want to go and find that one on the network. It's a fantastic match. Uh there's also on that show, there's a freaking great little Easter egg, dude. Chris Jericho versus Gato is on that same freaking show. Gato's there wearing we like a yellow karate outfit. Like Big Ray Hernandez, that's why he calls it karate wrestling, because he saw Gato in 1997 in WCW. It's absolutely ridiculous. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the entire HTM Podcast Network online, hitting the marks. Be sure that you visit our friends over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Visit our friends over at lastwordonprowrestling.com. If you want more information on stardom, they actually have a fantastic article up there that's basically the beginner's guide to stardom. Uh, Visit our friends over at ndpw.com for the latest news and everything breaking on WrestleMania and... Hell, who knows? Maybe it'll get canceled again and moved to Madison Square Garden in June. Uh, you can keep up with me across all social media platforms at Not Jargo. Send me your favorite Eddie Guerrero matches. RBV, how do the peeps, the freaks, the geeks, and the quarantine keep up with you?
1: What everyone get out of here is just like uh, the, the rest of the masses. I'll keeping myself busy across
0: all social media platforms
1: at The Real. R v v. V.
0: We will talk to you Monday inside the locker room, hackerhomme.podme.com. But for now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. I don't give up. I'll be your back on. Drip the blame on me! I smell self-righteousness! That's the bad guy. Go! Johnny, you betrayed. Pin the blame on me. I smell self-righteousness. That's the bad guy. Go. at home I'm with me last night, I'll be your bag of